Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good whatever it is, wherever you are in the world, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. It's our first regular one of the season. I'm still Connor Clancy, and Kevin Pogorzelski is still here with me. Kev, hello, hello. Hi, Connor. How you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks, mate. How are you keeping? I'm good. We're bank holiday here in the UK. Yeah, we've not got that luxury here in Italy, but we do have the luxury of going to the games every week. First mention of that of the season. There you go. And thankfully, returning to help me hold Kev's elderly hand across the street this week is Vito Doria. Vito, we missed you last week. Yeah, I missed being on the pod, but I still enjoyed listening to you two as well as uh, Vieri in my absence. So that was a good pod and hopefully this pod is an enjoyable one as we review an exciting opening round of Serie A. Probably one of the best that I've probably witnessed in my lifetime anyway. Vito, it's always an enjoyable couple of minutes or a couple of hours chatting when we us three get together so i am fully confident that we'll be the same this week uh kev tell me yeah. something fun from your summer uh well i had a i had my gallbladder removed i said <laughs> fun didn't i i, I mean i did I say got, that i got three weeks off work in the sun how much more sun how much more fun do you want that to be were you allowed to be in the sun uh well i don't ask i just do that's my motto <laughs> for life. Don't ask, but do. There's a name like of the podcast. Mikey, just, do it. <laughs> just gonna write that one down. Uh, Vito, anything interesting happened in your summer? Well, since I'm based in Australia, it was rather uneventful. But um, I'm looking forward to actually going to your side of the world in the next couple of weeks. So that's what's got me buzzing at the moment. That's coming up very soon, right? Well, I live two weeks today, so it'd be great to actually witness some games in person. You know, I haven't been to Europe in eight years, so it's a long overdue trip, and 
between UK, Germany and Italy, I'm hoping to see as much football as possible. Yeah, and it will be good to have you here in Parma for some tortelli or capiletti or whatever it is you fancy having to eat. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, guys, let's let's start where this week's Serie A action finished, which was this Monday evening. Inter welcomed Lecce to the Stadio Giuseppe Miazza and they thumped them. Welcome to Serie A. Uh, it was 4-0. Marcello Brozovic and Antonio Candreva scored very, very nice goals, while debutants Stefano Sensi and Romelu Lukaku also got off the mark. Kev, um, are Inter right to be getting a little bit excited? Or should they remember that this is Lecce, who literally everybody has expected to get relegated, except for Marco Jackson? Well, as you know, I predicted an Inter title this year. So, <laughs> you did, I uh, forgot that. <laughs> I think I should probably um, allow the Interisti to get uh, as excited as they are about this win. Um, I, I think Lecce actually did play quite well, and, and there were there were positive signs from Inter, regardless of the opposition. Um, I suppose you've just got to look at it back on a comparison of what they maybe didn't have last year. Um, you know, they had goals in Maracardi last year, but you know, Conte's got them looking very cohesive already in a in a sort of a new three five two system. And um yeah, lot there's lots of positive signs um throughout the evening really. Okay, Kev, but it, it was Lecce. Yeah, but it, what's the old uh, the old phrase of you I can only beat what's in front of you? Um yeah, I I I I I think Inter should be or Inter fans should be optimistic. And should take, you know, it's one of those things. If it if it had gone horribly wrong, and Lecce had stole a win, you're instantly on the back foot. And I think I think Conte knows how important it was not just to win, because I think even there would have been, they would have been slightly on the back foot, even if they'd only sort of struggled to a one 0 victory tonight. I think yeah. so. He drove them on to sort of get that real um, statement like um, victory. Yeah, well, it does help, right? Getting these, um, not to be disrespectful, the easier fixtures out of the way early in the season. Vito, they go to Cagliari next week, and then after the international break, they've got, who have they got? They've got, oh, world beaters Udinese in, in Milan. But if they could put together three wins there before the Milan derby in the mid to end of September, and then who's not? who knows what happens? It's very important that... Uh... Inter gets off to a good start under Antonio Conte, and they've done that. And also, the way they scored the goals too, probably the Lukaku goal was the easiest or the most simplistic of the three. The rest of them were rather good strikes. As for the up-and-coming fixtures for Inter, it's good to sort of capitalise on the good results and the on-paper weak opposition. So if they can get good wins... Uh, early on in the season, I think it would be very good for their confidence and to also help build the total challenge if they really are serious about making a threat for Juventus or threatening them. Yeah, well, they have, according to Antonio Conte anyway, they have lost Mario Cardi, despite him taking the number seven shirt and still very much being at the club. He, the coach doesn't seem to recognise him as a player. But big, big Lukaks. Romelu Lukaku, Kev, he's up and running. He always scored on his debut and he carried that trend over to Italy with him. Yeah, until somebody tweeted that, I'm sure it was one of our team, um, I hadn't remembered his his knack of scoring on his debut. 
But it's um, he, he, he had a he had a he had a great evening. He outmuscled many a defender. He was very direct and very powerful. And it, it, I, I kept sort of sitting there watching and thinking how Conte had alienated Diego Costa at Chelsea when he sort of kind of went there in his that second year. And this is exactly that that type of striker that Conte oh. wants to lead that line. And he'll get he'll get his fair share of goals this year. And actually, more importantly, was probably that him and Martinez, who probably didn't have the greatest of games, actually looked like they could create a pretty decent partnership quite quickly. This is something I do expect from into this season. As much as I was hesitant to get too excited about them last week, I tweeted when Lukaku joined that I'm not quite sure how he's going to fare in Serie A, but him and Lautaro could really strike up a good partnership. They just seem to have traits that would really nicely complement one another. Um, and you could see Martinez benefiting from space being created by Lukaku just being himself and kind of drawing other defenders onto him. Um, Vito, Stefano Sensi is quite a good little footballer. He certainly is. He's even getting into the Italy national team, albeit not as a starter, but uh, I like him as a swallow, short player, but uh, good use of the ball, knows how to pick the right passes, and under a coach like Antonio Conte, I can really see him improving as a player. That strike in particular, though, that was really something special. So if he can add more goals to this to his game, I think he can really be a top-quality midfielder for both Inter and even the Italian national team. Yeah, well, he's going to have to be at his very best level, especially with um, big Antonio Kondravakev doing, doing bits alongside him. What a goal. What a player. What a man. <laughs> I, I I saw the Candreva lo- um, love on social media, and uh, you know very well that we discussed this before we came on air. Oh, I don't um, remember. You'll have to remind me. Brilliant goal. I, I I fear that I fear that he might have scored this too early because uh, when all his detractors get on his back about ten games in, he could probably do a scoring on game ten rather than game day one. Um, but actually, he he just I just thought he didn't he didn't have much to do. It wasn't that he played poorly before scoring that goal. It's just Inter always constantly seemed to be looking to the left hand side, all of the time. Massimo was that out ball higher up the pitch, and Candre was kind of left to maybe concentrate a little bit on his defensive duties that he's maybe not used to in a win back role. Um, but they they are for the more difficult games going to need more output from him when he does have the ball. He does still have a tendency to to throw over the odd dodgy cross if you like um his, you know his delivery was one of his his plus points as a player but the odd um ball just drilled along the floor that the defense easily sort of clip away is um it's probably a bit more that you know into want a bit more from a, from a winger. yeah and he does tend to shoot a lot right so I, I think there's a case here of it being a matter of even a blind squirrel occasionally finds a nut am i being a little bit too harsh on big antonio or is that fair mm. Uh, no, I think I'd agree. Okay. Sorry, Mr. Kondreva. He's a lovely guy, actually, isn't he? Didn't he do some very nice things for a, an underprivileged school child's family by paying for all of her school meals and books or something recently? So we, we like Kondreva. Let's not pick on him. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, there, there was no Nicolo Barella. Vito, 
this guy should be holding this midfield together at Inter this year. I would have thought so, but uh, since it was just Lecce, with all due respect to Lecce, um, I'm just hoping that eventually, again, stronger position, Conte integrates him. Because if uh, Inter have a loss soon down the line, I'm sure those questions will be asked rather quickly and you'll have a lot of people in the mainstream media or on social media going, where's Barella? Where's Barella? Conte should have played Barella. So hopefully they make the most of it, but once they drop points, those questions will be asked more frequently and the voices will get louder. Yeah, Kev, do you reckon it's a case of um, Matias Vecino being the man to drop out for Barella before too long? Yeah, I would do. I just would say that um, Lovito makes the point about if they were to be losing points. But I thought Lecce was the ideal opportunity to sort of blood him. A game where it wasn't, you know, there wasn't much right riding on it. You know, we, we kind of expected it to to play out the way that it has done. And it would have given that experience of the San Siro. And, well, not that he's not had that experience of the San Siro. But you know what I mean? Just a slower mm. integration, just right from the start. Just say... He's my man in the middle, start of the season. Because if Facino then goes and has Facino goes and has an excellent six or seven games, it's really hard to drop him. Mm. And if Conte is adamant that this young man is going to, you know, have the side built around him, why don't you just say, look, that that's it's your ideal excuse to just put him in straight from the start? Mm. I'm inclined to agree with that. I, I spoke on the preview pod last week with you and Vieri about how highly I rated Vecino. Or not Vecino. I don't rate him that highly. The other boy, Barella, that's yeah. the one. Um, right, moving quickly on. Fiorentina 3, Napoli 4. Um, Napoli signed Costas Manolas this summer to form probably the best central defensive pairing in Serie A. But neither them nor Fiorentina really wanted to defend on Saturday evening. And we were served up a treat, Vito. This was one of the most enjoyable games that we'll probably see all season. Definitely. Uh, both teams, they play to attack and to put on a show. And for the neutral, we definitely got that. Of course, there was a touch of drama and controversy, as typical of Italian football. But I think the quality of the football displayed by the two sides and their endeavour, I think that was great to see. And although Fiorentina were on the losing side, they had a few younger players especially Italian players, that probably look like they might be half-decent footballers and might even establish themselves in the first 11 despite the presence of some newly purchased uh, veterans. Who in particular are you referring to? Well, I thought in midfield, Gaetano Castrovilli had a decent game, but uh, also Ricardo Sotil on the, on the wing. It might be a bit raw, but I think... He's a kid with a lot of potential, and he's another one from the Fiorentino Youth Academy like Federico Chiesa. Yeah, fair enough. Um, speaking of young players, I'm going to move the conversation away to someone who, who was once young but has evolved into a prince. It, it's big Kevin. Kevin Prince Boateng. Kev, come on. He's amazing. He's one of my favourite players in Serie A. I'm so happy he's back. And what a goal. Yeah, when he when he took his goal, I was remembering what Vieri said in last week's um, 
last week's preview pod about him becoming sort of a focal point, you know, someone that you can hit and then get the players around him, you know, particularly the faster players like Chiesa. And he, and he, and he did exactly that. It was, it was a really, really good goal. Um, but something else that came up in the, the pod last week was you asked me how they can turn 16 draws into, uh, you know, wins to improve. Well, sorry, 17 draws, and it was just defend better, you know, along with Sassuolo. It's like, you know, they're still making these awful uh, defensive mistakes. And I'm actually concerned about the goalkeeper, whether they've actually got a better goalkeeper now after um, Lafont's gone. I think Lafont's a big loss. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. And he, the, the goalkeeper flapped at the uh, one of the long-range efforts. I can't remember which one it was now. Um, I thought he could have done a little bit better. He got a hand to it before he went. It must have been... Um, the Merton's goal. Yeah. So, Kev, we're, what, one round into the Serie A season and you've already picked Dragovski as your new goalkeeping yeah. target. Yeah. Didn't take long, did it? No. Why do you hate goalkeepers? You're like Gary Neville. Uh, I don't... Uh, well, you maybe I'm You do hate goalkeepers. Harsh. I've never been a goalkeeper either. I'm, I'm one of the worst goalkeepers in the world. I would be the last man picked if every other man got sent off on a football pitch. But uh, I'm just a harsh critic of everybody. Yeah, except for me. Um, speaking of goalkeepers, we'll have a moment about another one in a very short amount of time. But let's stick to this game. There were some controversies, Kev. Um, a couple of penalty decisions. Firstly, let's go with the Fiorentina one because it was a handball by the letter of the law. It's a penalty. It's a handball. But, oh my God, how on earth can you give a penalty for that? It's a completely ridiculous rule. No, absolutely. I think the only thing that kept me sane with this was that both sides had, let's say, varsical. Um. And, uh, and, and, yeah, it's the only thing that keeps you sane sometimes is that, it's, you know, you're, you have games like this where things kind of um, level themselves out because of the, the stupid calls. But, you know, the, there's been discussions for every league probably that's using VAR at the moment that the, the interpretation or the use of the handball law just needs to change, really. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't really blame defenders for that. You know, it's... What can you say? It's the, is it the law is an arse? If you say so, Kev. If that's what you say it is, then that's what it is. Mm. Um, yeah, well, Vito has very kindly just pointed out in, in the comments we have going that Lorenzo Insigne deserves a lot of praise. So, Vito, I'll let you take it away. Oh, sorry. I reckon it was one of the best games in senior play, to be honest. That uh, Well, he was involved in all four goals, scoring two himself and then providing the assist for both Mertens and Cajon. So it goes to show that uh, even if you're not always involved in the game, you can have those moments where you make a difference. And in this case, uh, Insignia definitely did that. What I found hilarious is that he scored the winning goal with a header and he's one of the shortest players on the pitch. Yeah, well, football tends to throw up funny things like that. I really liked the goal um, where it was Mertens played that typical Napoli ball. 
over to the right for Callihan, who knocked it back in for Insignia. Was that that goal, or did Insignia knock it back in for Callihan? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, it was that was, basically that was the that was the four. Yeah, usually it's Insignia who plays the ball to Callihan, who knocks it back for Mertens. So I kind of like that they just swapped roles so seamlessly. It was quite nice. Um, what else have we got to talk about from that game? Anything? Oh, Dries Mertens. That penalty was weird, wasn't it? It was not a penalty. How was that given? I don't understand. Was, you you literally see him look down and think, "There's a player by my feet. Let's just just shimmy along into his legs." Yeah, I would, been, I would have been apoplectic with rage if I was that defender. I'm surprised there was not some old school chunk of his shirt in someone's hand as sort of Milinkovic is towering over him, complaining about the <laughs> diving inverted commas. Yeah, it it was a bit of a strange one. Um, but can we move on? Let, let's move on. Let's come come here to me and part of my guys. I've been waiting for you. Juve came and they left with all three points, obviously. Um, it was Maurizio Sarri's first game in charge, kind of. He, he wasn't in Parma, obviously, as he's still recovering from pneumonia. We wish him all the best with that. They were a little bit different, I guess, in that they tried to move the ball a little bit more, but obviously it's still very early days. I don't know, Vito, were you impressed by Juventus? I noticed there was that change of style, but uh, you look at the scoreline, still the same you in that aspect, but I thought more than anything, Cristiano Ronaldo was extremely wasteful. He probably should have had a hat-trick in the first half, and that's not including the goal that got disallowed, but he probably should have scored a few more in the second half. So uh, it's early days, but as the season progresses, and especially in the big games, particularly when they are playing in the Champions League, you would think that Cristiano Ronaldo would be switched on and he would be putting those chances in the back of the net. Yeah, honestly, he was terrible. He should have had two goals very, very early on. Um, but this is twice now. He's come to Parma and been laughed at, which it's quite funny to watch because he's obviously brilliant, right? Don't get me wrong for a minute. He's obviously one of the greatest players that has ever played football. So when mm-hmm. it's not going his way and people are openly laughing at him, it is quite funny especially because he is the way he is. But, uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed that. And then, oh, oh, let me tell you guys, there was a sickening moment in this game. And, I, I mean, I've never felt my stomach turn at a football match before. But the Parmi Gianni who support Juventus gave me that very feeling this weekend. Because, as tends to happen when a, a bigger club comes to Parma, the, the whole end, basically, is away fans. The official bit is in the middle, whereas they get two sides of the official bit as extra away seats. And when Ronaldo scored that goal that was chalked off, he ran over to the corner and did his big celebration. And this is at the far end of the stadium. Um, and he did his big, you know, the three. And as he did it, about 3,000 fans all shouted that. And it was just, it was disgusting. So when the goal was ruled out, I had a big laugh. It was it was quite enjoyable. But anyway, enough of that. Um, Juve selection, Kev. Sammy Kadira played. Blaise Matuidi played. And Gonzalo Aguilar played wearing the number 21 shirt, which I could not get my head around, even as the game progressed. And what was this about? Maybe that's the price they want for him. What, 21 quid? Well, 
maybe <laughs> maybe maybe 21 quid maybe that's all they'll get for him no it was it was very strange it was it's too early in the season for them to be actively selecting a b-side so they can sort of tout around their wares but they're in this scenario where they've gone very early in the transfer window to get in what they wanted or what they needed depending on how you how you look at it and now they've got this excess of playing staff that they they, they need to get off the books and whether it actually works as a um a reminder to some clubs out there that they're still operating in a transfer window that they can they can have these players is um is one question but on the flip side of that it was where they didn't play the likes of Matthias de Ligt. Mm. um i know you've got the other you know, historical partnership between Benucci and Chiellini but um the young man we're led to believe went there because he had assurances over the amount of playing time he'd get as opposed to if he went to PSG or um, Barcelona, who were the ma- other major uh, suitors. Yeah, well, there's a Dutch journalist out here, Aaron Deckers, who Dolph is friends with, and he, he was in Parma for this, and I got chatting to him a bit before the game, and he was a bit frustrated because he kind of came down to watch him, and obviously he was left on the bench. and He wasn't very good in pre-season. Juve haven't been all that impressed with him on the pitch, so maybe it's just a matter of time, give him a couple of months learning from the others, and then he'll be in the team. Because we saw him at Ajax last year. He's a phenomenal player, and mm. he will add a lot to this team, particularly as they go forward in all competitions. Um, but can we talk about Parma for a little bit? I'd quite like to, because I think they've got a lot more about them this season as opposed to last Javinho still his frustrating best and worst at the same time. Uh, Roberto Inglese wasn't quite at his best, but he, he tried. But they've got is it Gaston Brugman in midfield, and he looks like he could be a really good find for them. He's, I think he's on loan from Pescara, and he was just sitting in front of Bruno Alves, who has lost his defensive partner in Alessandro Bastoni this summer, so he'll need that extra protection. And he was quick to cover ground. He was getting into tackles and he was very, very technically sound. And he, he seems to be the designated set-piece taker as well when, when Bruno's not fancying a free kick. So he's a player that I would recommend keeping an eye on this season. And I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to watching him as the season goes on. And then also, the, the boy I pointed out in the preview show last week, uh, Dejan Kuluzewski, he's on loan from Atalanta. He's raw. But there's, there are definitely signs there that he's a player. Some of his touches were just fantastic. There was one where the ball came down over his head and he put his, like a scorpion kick on one foot and he executed it very, very nicely. And something that always impresses me with young players like this, and bear in mind it's a Serie A debut against Juventus and Cristiano Ronaldo's in that Juventus team. He was just always looking for the ball. Every time Palma got it, it didn't matter who had it. He'd be coming into space looking for the ball. He misplaced a couple of passes. He took a couple of risks that he probably didn't need to take. But even after that, just looking for the ball straight away to try and make up for those mistakes. I thought it was quite an admirable performance from him. He's one to keep an eye on. Um, I alluded to the goalkeeping thing, Kev. Luigi Seppe. I mean, what's the point? What is the point in this guy? Yeah, I saw this. Um, I saw your tweet um, post-game and actually... Considering uh, I am anti goalkeepers, I actually give him. Well, it's, I don't know if it's less I give him a little credit. I think there's an element of what more do you want 
from a you know from a goalkeeper at that level you know you there's a level of what i've got a, the the level of goalkeeper that you can obtain to to do the jobs you need to do uh, because i then look back really critically if you like at the mistake that you would have said that he made for the goal but i don't think a center half does much better if they get their head on that Kev, watch watch your mic you're covering your mic am i you were in bursts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think um, I think any any goalkeeper that clears the area with a with a punch or defender with a head and then it comes back in from a volley. I, I'm I'm not sure how we can be too scathing of what they've done there, really. Right. And he's not a bad shot stopper. He's got problems with his distribution. Um. He. I, I don't know. I think the only thing he's not terrible at is. Shot stopping. He pulls off some remarkable saves, and every year there's bound to be a contender for him in the the save of the season compilations. But there's nothing else he does that's well, I think, anything more than terrible. I think I think if you're a let's say a, a bottom third or even a bottom half side, you're expecting your goalkeeper to face lots of shots, so you want a shot stopper. Whereas if you're top half European football and you've got a better defence in front of them, then you want someone that's either good with their feet and their distribution to build attacks, or someone that's extremely good concentration-wise when they're only going to face mm. that final... You know, look at look at Roma last year. They went from a goalkeeper like Alisson, who, when he needs to face chances, maybe once or twice in a match, he's, you know, he's, been, he's been crucial for Liverpool in the last 12 months. And then they get Robin Olsen, who, well, he's, he's got lack of concentration, and then he was actually flapping at shots as well. But, you know, right. if you're... No, I take that. But I'm not asking for him to be the best distributor of the ball or for him to maintain his concentration. His positioning's horrendous. The number of times you see a shot go in, you think, I, I don't know how the, the space was there. Um, there was a, an Atalanta goal last year. I think it was Mario Pasolic's goal and possibly one of the others where Luis Giuseppe just basically showed him the net. And then it's any time the ball comes into the box. You just think, oh, Luigi's going to do something here. The only time you fancy him is if someone pulls off a, a shot for the top corner from 30 yards, he'll get to it. If a cross comes into the box, you can guarantee he won't deal with it. Or if he does, he'll go about it in the most difficult way imaginable. He'll drop it and then pick it up at the second chance. He'll flap it and then catch it. He's just, he's a, a goal concession waiting to happen. Every time the ball goes near him, and even with shots, he's only good at shots that are hit away from him. If a shot goes towards him, he drops it. He flaps at it. He's horrendous. I, I really don't understand why he's playing for Parma. I, I take your point, they're at bottom third side, but they could do better than him. Stopping shots is the least you expect from a goalkeeper at this level. And he can't do anything else. And he drives me mad. He, he, and I'm not a Parma fan. But going and seeing him play every other week, he drives me mad. So where just, do they go? Uh, anywhere. Anywhere, Kev. Look at Etrick Barisha, okay? He was Atalanta's second choice last year. He's gone to Spal, and he was amazing at the weekend. He's got question marks around him as well, for sure. But there are goalkeepers out there. Emiliano Viviano went to Spal on loan last season from Sporting. You can find them. You can find them. Give a kid a chance. because. 
he's going to be a good shot stopper and maybe he could do something more than Louis Zeppe can because Zeppe's hard. But, yeah, there's my first rant of the season out of the way. And it, uh, no surprise that it was aimed at Louis Zeppe. Uh, Bruno Alves is still amazing. Udinese Milan. Udinese won AC Milan nil. Vito, um, is it okay to laugh at this? I think it's more than okay. I think, uh, to be honest, the laughs are probably justified because AC Milan, they've brought in a new coach, Marco Giampaolo, who was at Sampdoria. Uh, we did play some good stuff on our day, but we had our off days too. This in particular was an absolute uh, disaster, and it's only round one. So when you can barely take a shot and you're meant to have this really attack-minded coach, you sometimes got to wonder, is the coach already out of his depth? Were the squad purchases wrong? Or is it, again, the fan base of AC Milan just craving the old days and they're expecting miracles? What should they expect, Kev? Because the squad isn't that strong. Um, what is a realistic expectation from Milan this season? Hopefully Europa League football, I think, maybe. But, yeah, the squad, you know, I can't understand why Barini's still there. Um, you know... <laughs> he started he, in he, midfield. <laughs> yeah, you know, but lots of, that, lots of that team were who was there last year. And I think Giampaolo was brought in to, to get them playing better and maybe more, more attacking or certainly more, um, you know, to get more points on the board. More fluid. Yeah, and... And, and it's not happened, you know, he's had a whole pre-season, you know, there's not been late signings that have come in, um, you know, in, late into the into the pre-season. And I would, I, I mean, everything is exacerbated, I think, because of what everybody's expecting Inter to do this year. Mm. So I think if you're a Milan fan, you're constantly looking over your shoulder at thinking, could this be the year that, you know, Inter secure another title, be that club that wrestle it away from Juve? And everything's going to be multiplied 10 times when they do have a result like this, rather than give them the time to actually try and try and build that new approach. The problem is when he comes out after the game and says, yeah, four, two, three, one, two. Uh, that sounds like I've got to our players on the pitch. Maybe I have. <laughs> but he, says, he says the formation four, doesn't work. Four, three, players, one, two. And he says, these players can't play this formation. It shouldn't take you one competitive game to realise that the players that you've got cannot play the formation that you want to play. You have been training with it. You have been going pre-season with it. The fact that the game that they have just played is competitive and they've lost it should not have opened his eyes to the limitations or the perceived limitations that he has of his players. And that is what would be a concern of mine. Yeah, well, he did say that he, he kind of got it wrong, which is it's concerning. After one game, you'd expect him to back himself a little bit more. Uh, but if we go through the team, right, the, the 10 outfield players, you could argue that seven of them are attack-minded. Ricardo Rodriguez, Lucas Pacota, Chalanoglu, Borini, Suzo, Piontek, and Samu Castilejo. They didn't get one shot on target. Not one. That's a joke. Not well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a feeling Milan that noise will be said a lot about them this season. But Milan have become a bit of a joke. 
Yeah, I nearly laugh when you said say. Ricardo Rodriguez is an attacking-minded player. Well, he is because he can't defend. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's only he's only <laughs> only defined as attack-minded because he used to take penalties for Wolfsburg. He shoots from long distances, but he's quite a he's quite a sterile fullback. He's you you barely see him overlap. Well, I did last year anyway when I watched Milan. But they're left more... back in the root of their problem, so he's more active when he plays for Switzerland though. It's like some players they play better for the country than they do for their club. I mean, for instance, uh, I don't want to turn this into an EPL podcast, but uh Dayan Lovren is rubbish for your Liverpool, but for Croatia is good. And uh Yeah, and I think that's the same with Rodriguez. Plays well for the Swiss, but for AC Milan, he's been putrid to be honest. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. He's just not very good, I suppose. But he's one of many players at Milan that just aren't very good. You go through that starting 11, there are probably about six of them. Um, I think we might have Dov joining us in a minute to talk about the Sampdoria-Lazio game, but let's first go to Spal-Atalanta, the second game I was at this weekend. And oh my God, Vito, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. Well, it was definitely a top game. Uh, I'll be honest, I probably thought Atalanta should have scored more than the three than they did. But as you mentioned earlier, Etrip Berisha had a superb game for Spal. And... um, Dovan Zapata, well, he had his chances, but because of Larisha and probably even due to his own inefficiency, he didn't get on the scoreboard. But his compatriot, Luis Muriel, saved Atalanta's skin with a well-taken brace, and even Muriel could have added another two. So it was a good game all around, especially on Atalanta's part. But Spal, when they had enough confidence to counterattack, they were good, especially that left-back Igor. When he did those step-overs for that second goal and provided the assist for Patania, I reckon that would have brought a tear to Cristiano Ronaldo and Robinho's eye. <laughs> All those step-overs, my God. Yeah, it was funny. And the, the Spal fans were kind of olaying it as it was going on, despite him entering the six-yard box. It was, it was good. He's going to be interesting this season. 
he'll be entertaining and you could see him lighting it up for Spal and getting a move somewhere in January, to be honest with you, if he keeps it up at this rate. Um, Gasparini's mad. He's absolutely mad. Atalanta were dominating the game. It was 2-1 to Spal and there was still, I think, more than half an hour left. And Gasp decided to go with two defenders. So he took off Remo Freuler, a, a defensive-minded midfielder, and Andrea Maziello for Malinowski. And who was the other player that came on? Uh, Luis Muriel. Atalanta were playing with two defenders. Kev, I mean, Gasparini. It worked. So we can't criticise, but this was mad. It, it, it was, but, you know, I, I was following the game as best I could on, uh, online, and then I sort of saw the highlights. And the, the the game the game appears more if you like close because of how late you kind of Atlanta got their goals, oh. but for large periods it looked like Atlanta were dominating. And I think if you're dominating possession and the chances, you're not actually conceding that many chances at the other end. So I think you can take those risks. And obviously Gasparini trusts yeah, his players. That that's the highlight because Atalanta were dominating it, but they were still very very vulnerable to counterattacks, and it, it seemed crazy to afford Spal even more space to counterattack into, but it worked. Um, someone I was very impressed by. Hello, Dov. We'll come to you in a minute. Someone I was very very impressed by was Mario Pasalic because I've been critical of him quite often, and. He showed a side of his game yesterday that I've never seen from him before. When when they went to the two centre-backs, he was more than happy to sacrifice his attacking threat. And it was him and Martin Darun who were kind of filling in as a makeshift third centre-back at times, which which was nice to see from Pasalic. And there's, there's more to his game. Lewis Muriel, double on his debut. He's going to be interesting, isn't he? He'll probably be good for six months and then put on a lot of weight and not do too much else after that. Um Kind of the same things I thought about him last season at Fiorentina, to be fair. Just didn't stick around for long enough. Um, that's all I've got to say about Spa Atalanta. Hello, Dov Schiavone. Hello, Connor Clancy. Hello, everybody. Hi, Kev. Hi, Vito. I'm here. Hi, Dov. I'm back. Hi, Dov. Um, ha- have you got a Peroni chill? I'm not. I've got, a, I've got, there's a beer in the fridge, though, that I'm choking to have. <laughs> <laughs> I should have got really got it before I came on, but not the same as a Peroni chill. It's not the it's not the same. No, it's not. It's like um, you know you know before we got you know how like I've been away for three months away from Milan. You know how this is how long I've been away. There's a cobweb in front of the front door because it's not been opened for so long. I just noticed it when I came back there. I was like, oof. You, you walk know, into been, it. I, I didn't. I seen it before, but I was like, you've been away for a long time when there are cobwebs. Uh, you growing at your voice being made at your front door. But there you yeah. go. But I'm back now. They'll be swept away soon enough. You should just meet my wife. There's cobwebs all over our house. We're in that this house every day. We're another pod. Dom, I know you well enough to know the cobweb won't be swept up before long. It's going to be there the next time I get to your house. Um, and I don't even have plans to go to your house anytime soon. Where were you this weekend? I was oh, at two Christ. games. How many were you at? I was at three. Were you? I'm tired. <laughs> Can the season be finished already, Chris? <laughs> I was at two and I'm tired. I, I don't blame you. And you were in three different regions that? as well. I was, you were in was Lombardia and Tuscany. Tuscany, yeah. Tuscany. So, if you're in, so it was Tuscany first, then Liguria, and then Lombardia. Um, not to bore people, but I'm curious. How did you get from Tuscany to Genoa? Via Milan. No, did you? 
yeah, went home in the morning, had a shower, cleaned myself up a wee bit, and then then went to Genoa. That's a nightmare. Um, it's, it's, it's been it's been a good week, but this but this is what we do at Forza Time Football, Connor Clancy. I don't see anybody else doing things like this. No, well, Dov, you had the message from me last night. I had the scariest experience of my Airbnb life last night. Are um, you allowed to tell the people, or do you want to tell me later? Oh no, there's nothing really to tell. It was just yeah, I'll talk to you off air about it. It was really it wasn't good. <laughs> Uh, sent sent off my um what did i send you you sent me the address and said uh, if, if you don't hear from me by like tomorrow afternoon i'm presumed dead tell my parents or something like that uh, yeah anyway um let, let's forget about that people don't care do they um sam blasio you were there i was there yeah how was it i was good Oh, maybe not for Vito, but yeah, it was it was a good game. They're redeveloping a bit of the a bit of the stand there where the press box is. So it was um, kind of they had like a makeshift stand on top of the stand getting re- or like developed. It's quite weird, um, but yeah, it was good. So it was like obviously it was, the, the the view was right on the pitch, so you could mm. see everything a lot clearer and what not you normally can. It was right next to the Lazio fans as well, which was interesting. Um, and Lazio were brilliant. I was trying to think as well, like who were the best team that I'd seen this weekend. And I'm kind of torn between Lazio and Inter, but I'm kind of almost leaning towards Lazio. Really? Um, j- j- just given the the, the, the opposition, because obviously everybody was giving me crap on Twitter, but oh, it's only Lecce Inter were playing, even though they were brilliant. Um, but I think with Lazio away at Sampdoria is probably a bit more impressive than winning 3 0. What was so impressive? They just dominated. Like Sampdoria, I think the closest Sampdoria came was I think it was a back pass that Strakosha almost messed up. That was pretty much as good as it got for Sampdoria. Lazio just never looked like they were going to lose that game and never looked like they were going to concede anything. I and mean, they didn't. They were just everything. Everything was good about them. Acerbi was great at the back. Um, Milinkovic Savic dominated the midfield. Parolo played actually quite well. Is like the protection in front of the defence. Correa and Luis Alberto looked great on kind of either side when they were operating on the wings. Um, and Chiro Immobile is like I wrote today on Forza Italian Football. He is back to the Chiro Immobile the Lazio need to do well. Mm. He missed a couple of chances early on, but I mean the the the, the goals they got were great. Um, and he was just an absolute pain in the backside for Murillo the whole game. And obviously the, there was a third one where it kind of forced them into that mistake. That's what Lazio need. And if they keep going like that, I think they could be really dangerous this season. You mentioned Jason Murillo there. Um, him and Colley aren't exactly the most inspiring central defensive partnership. <laughs> you, you, to be honest, you'd, you'd expect a little bit better from them. Um, but it kind of immobile bullied them for quite a lot of the time, which honestly I was a bit surprised at because you would think obviously he's a Colombian international. He's been was it Inter then at Valencia. He was on loan at Barcelona. Obviously he didn't play, but he was still there. And um, you, you would think he'd be a bit better than than what he did, and he wasn't. He was rubbish. Yeah, well, Vito, you have to leave now in a minute. So I'm just going to give you a chance to speak about this game before you do shoot off. Um, a bit disappointed by Sampdoria? Look, I am disappointed. Uh, sorry, everyone, for those who are watching me. I have somehow disappeared. Okay. Apologies <laughs> about that, everyone. Yes, I am certainly disappointed with the results. And although I thought Lazio's goals were due to our uh, horrible defending, I think overall 
the Bianco Celeste played a much better game than us. They are already familiar with Inzaghi's 3-5-2. They were slicker in the ball movement and they played at a higher tempo than us. I think Di Francesco's tactics will take a bit of time because they're more used to John Powell's intricate passing game. But uh, I also think that the squad additions probably haven't been too great. And the fiasco regarding the sell of the club, I think that's dragging on far too long. So hopefully Massimo Ferrero sells the club in the near future. Otherwise, the first half of the season is probably going to be a bit of a disaster for some. Should it be that big of a jump from Marco Giampaolo's team or system to you say with the Francesco's? Because they're not all that dissimilar. No, I think it's more the formation. See, at the start of the game, I noticed that Gabbiadini and Caprari were probably too close to the touchlines, to the wings. And sometimes Caprari had to drop back. But uh, as the game wore on and once they increased the tempo some a bit, uh, Ronaldo Vieira, he had a couple chances in the game. And Gabbiadini had about two chances, and that's not including a terrible free kick he took. But uh, I think uh, over time, if uh, Di Francesco can utilise Gabbiadini properly, he'll probably return to that patch of form that he had in the calendar year of 2014 where he was drifting from the right wing and getting to goal-scoring positions. So... I think Gabbiadini is one player that could benefit under Di Francesco. But I reckon, yeah, we definitely got to be more clinical. And even the midfield setup, I think, needs to improve a bit because I can't see Alban Ekdal and Ronaldo Vieira coexisting in the same midfield for the remainder of the, for the season. I think they're a bit too similar. Mm, work to be done at Sam, for sure. Peter, for sure. I'll let you go. Thank you very much for coming on with us this evening and welcome back for the new season. No worries. Uh, hope to chat to you guys again. And uh, I'll say it again. I'm looking forward to meeting all you guys in person pretty soon. Yeah, okay. looking forward to it too, Vito. Speak to you soon. See you, See you guys. Right. Back to yeah, you then, Dolph. Um, you were there. Chiro Mobile. <laughs> wasn't his best season last year. Is he on to kind of get back to it this season? Oh, I think he is. 100%. Um, the the one thing I will say that annoys me about him, it happened a couple of times in the the, the, yeah, the second half, the second half. It comes out wide a lot, which is fine, but nobody goes in the middle. I think mm. there was one point there was three or four Lazio players kind of on the the left side, just kind of passing that around each other, and they didn't know what to do because there's nobody in the box. Obviously, the the thing they would want to do, they want to swing a ball in, and you've got Immobile, I think, with Ludic, and I think Milinkovic Savic was kicking about there as well, and they're all kind of like going right, you should be in the middle. Why, what are you doing uh, here? Like, starting off is fine, but like, give it to somebody and then get into a better position. That's maybe one thing that I would say it needs to kind of stop trying to do everything. Um, and yeah, well, you and I were it. in Rome with um, our Rome, Roma and Lazio correspondent, Alistair McKenzie. And he a Roman spoke, reporter. A Roman reporter. That's a much better way of putting it. Um, and he, he kind of spoke about this because Immobile has this reputation as being a goal-scoring number nine, right? And that's what he does. But that's not actually what he does. Because he does come into these spaces. He does drop deep. He does try to make space for others. But nobody wants to exploit the space that he creates. Yeah, basically. If somebody, if they had somebody that that, that could do, or not could do that, that, that would do that or will do that, then I think they'd, they'd get on even better. Um, but I think probably what he needs to do is let the other... Kind of the other attack, attacking kind of pair of Correa and Luis Alberto do that bit. 
that he does, and then kind of he can go and basically score two goals. Which, when they did get the two goals, that was he was the one kind of running in on towards goal and not kind of going out to the wing. Both goals came when he was going down the middle, yeah, and it worked. And Correa, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Well, when he um, is, he is, isn't he? Well, the thing is, he's got, he's had a season with Lazio, like kind of getting more used to it. He started, he started as well. So honestly, I think they'll, they'll be, <laughs> they, but you probably don't talk about them. Well, you don't talk about them enough, I don't think. And I think this season they'll be like they were two years ago, kind of challenging for fourth if they kind of play like they did on uh, Sunday. Then they'll definitely be good. And again, it depends if Milinkovic Savage stays as well because he was a beast, absolutely yeah, well, dominated. Yeah. You've, well, you've, taken, dominated. you've taken me where I wanted to go. Last year for fourth is something that myself and Vieri back last year. Kev was a little bit more hesitant to get on that bandwagon, but Kev, has this performance been enough to win you over? Yeah, and I think I think Vieri converted me enough to I think put them in my top four. For our predictions, but it's you know, look, Dob mentions Carrera. Last year, I I put him down as a sort of my breakthrough star because I'd seen him um, not tear apart, but certainly cause Liverpool so much trouble for Sevilla, and it didn't quite didn't quite take off for him last year in uh, in Syria. And I think if he's got that year's experience with Lazio, he looked very good at the weekend, and if he can move a bit more centrally when Mobley vacates those spaces. Um, it can be a really good year for them. And I think I I tweet I I commented on I think one of the tweets that we put out about um, Mobley. I, I I bottled saying him oh. for Cap and Canieri because I kind of just took the easy route and went with everybody else. <laughs> Ronaldo. I did the but exact actually, same thing. He, but if he does, if he does continue and it actually turns into or goes back to being the striker that he was a couple of years ago, then I can see him doing it again. And and Lazio stealing that fourth fourth place, maybe. Well, it's not even that, Kev. I was like, I was looking today, like the, I think it was like the last eleven games in Serie A that he played last season. He only scored twice, so mm. I think he got fifteen goals overall. And what, like 10, 12 of them came came in like the first half almost. So if he can kind of keep that going for a full season, then he'll get over twenty goals easily. Was it last year that he was injured? You know, when season centre merged, don't merge now into, but there was, a, there was a few games where he was on the bench for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was return of injury. Yeah. But that was at the start of the year, wasn't it? I think from my... This old... is where Conor Clancy needs to get on the Google and be like, Jerry <laughs> Mobley injuries. Yeah, it's it's not my brain's not operating at full pace. Yeah, I'm just wondering if his goal return correlated with you know maybe recovering from injury or missing some games and but he certainly has the talent to to be up there yeah. again. He has shown that he even shown that with Torino that season a couple of years back when did he end up finishing Capocannieri when he had was that, that the joint was that the joint year with Luca Toni and was there somebody else? Uh, of... That was Tony and Icardi, I think was the following year. I think. I think Immobile might have won an Urban Joint winner that season. This is the problem. Our pre-seasons are so short, everything feels like one big long season. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was the year we went as well, Kev. Was it? 2013-14. Yeah, Immobile scored twice against Inter that year in a 3-3. He took Mm. some lovely photos of the Stadio Olimpico. He wasn't wasn't injured. I've just got his injury history up. He was injured for about two weeks in February. And that that was it last season. They missed three games. 
So, no. <laughs> An wow, answer that... to your question. It was Yo. in twenty. It was twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, where he was injured for forty nine days with Torino. He missed seven games, but no. I think I think I think with Alistair we kind of say that he just spent off kind of the boil a little bit. I think I got a little bit of stick for criticizing him a little bit as well from people. People like me, I'm stupid. But people, no, people, Latio fans don't like us. So if we nope, did, nobody likes us. Although, no, but Latio fans really don't like us. So if we criticize their players, it's it's worse. Um, but Dove, anything else to say about either of the other two games you're at? We kind of touched on both of them. Oh. The Inter Ultras, they did a thing. Oh, they did their, their choreography dedicated the, to Diabolic. Um, I think, Who's I he? don't know, he is the Lazio Ultra leader who died. I think he was a drug dealer. He was on that. He wasn't, wasn't a very nice guy. Um, and, 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 and Inter and Lazio are twinned. Their Ultras are twinned. So they had a big choreography. Um, of Diabolic, who's like some cartoon character or something like that, I don't know, or comic book thing. So they had that. But it, was, it was pretty cool, to be honest. But obviously, some people, um, or people took kind of, uh, they didn't really like it because mm. of the type of guy that he is. Because um, of his political leanings, I think, right? Well, he just is a political, he just generally just not a. Um, he's not a guy you take home to your mum. Let's just say that, right? He's <laughs> not. He's not a guy you take home to your mum. Uh, so yeah, they they did that. Um, I don't know how how um, in depth he went into the Inter Lecce game, but uh, Inter have changed. Yeah, like, well, you were very happy about everything them. about it is different. Like the the atmosphere around the club, obviously, like in terms of like the playing. Um, Staffs, the playing staffs changed, the coaches changed, the directors changed, the the mentality seems to have changed. Um, last well, year, huh? it was lecture. Well, yeah, I know it's lecture. It doesn't matter, but it's like, but when you, the atmosphere around the club is as it was last season with Inter. Inter like games are horrendous and looked cagey and looked like well they'd maybe go one ahead, but looked like they could still concede one. Today, as soon as they went ahead, you were like, yeah, this is it, finished. No chance let Jerry getting back into this, and they didn't. I think Conte was more than about ten minutes or something like that. Said, so, yeah, ten minutes were rubbish. But apart from that, like Inter blew them apart. As like I think somebody said, oh, they beat Lazio four 0 in Rome. Like fair enough. But there were way too many games last season where Inter, right, they might have won, but it wasn't comfortable like what it was today. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to get. What was trying to get across, but obviously Twitter is not the best conduit for doing that. People go, oh, you're an idiot. I'm like, well, you're not allowed to think on Twitter. Yeah, you're not allowed to think. You're not allowed to have an opinion. And well, I go to the San Siro every bloody week, and I see where it's like, and you see where it's there, and you see what people are saying, and you see the atmosphere, you see the fans, you can hear them, see what they're talking about, and it's all positive. Every like they weren't even moaning when there was the odd mistake as well. Last season they would go crazy. Oh yeah. my god, you've misplaced us past and they'd start moaning and booing and whatever else. Tonight they didn't didn't. Yeah, that is one thing that really stood out at San Siro last season. Because I obviously did a few games while you were away on your skiing holidays and whatnot, but <laughs> every time one misplaced past was put forward, it was it was chaos. She's like, Oh, everybody goes, Oh my god, their arms up in the air and they'll shoot obscenities at Spalletti and the player and everything. But today, not totally different. Totally different. And you can say, Oh, it's Lecce or whatever. I don't care. It's different. Do you fancy them to do something? They'll get second or third. They're not, they're, they're not gonna <laughs> right. get out. So it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter because you you are too good. So you are very good, mate. 
it's, um, it's going to need Juventus to have a horrendous season and Inter and or Napoli to have really, really good seasons. Yeah. Like, no no team can, I'll say a movie apart from Juve, just because they are so bad, no team can play 38 games and win every single one of them. It's yeah. Sure. And if anyone can, yeah. it's probably Juve. Go, Kev. I was just going to say, you know, I, I touched on it last week, how he took, how Conti took Juve from seventh, or consecutive seventh place finishes to second. And then when you say about how much Juventus would have to implode, if you like, to lose this title, and not to move this over again to Premier League, but I do have a, a vested interest in Liverpool. We didn't see them turning over a 26-point de- deficit with City this year. Mm. But it does happen. And the teams can go on this run. So I don't, I don't know I'm not, it's not impossible. It's just not very possible. <laughs> improbable is that the word we're looking it's, it's, for? It's not improbable, but I think it's very, very, very unlikely. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 st- I just need to see more from them because obviously those problems were so close to the surface last season. I don't think they're too far away from it this time. I'm very pleased. Dov says about the atmosphere, though. Yeah. Because I got some abuse on Twitter. Really? Uh, earlier in the week or late in the week, or because there was uh, one of the one of the Italian sites flashed up the season ticket sales. Mm. I think Inter were at about forty thousand, and and I said, oh, the Conti effect, and everybody went, oh no, Inter have always got great tickets, you know, season tickets, which which they have, which they mm. always have had with Milan. But I think Milan was second with like twenty two thousand, and that's nearly twenty thousand more season tickets sold than the Milan. Mm. So unless I'm missing something, there is a an indication that. That they're they're backing the coach, they're backing this new direction, and they are willing to be more positive and, and um, you know not boo at the first mistake. And um, hopefully, what Dev Dov says reflects that. I'll I'll judge them after their first slip, but I do think that could be quite some time away because they've got favourable enough fixtures coming up before the. What, what are their fixtures, Connor Clancy? Have you got uh, them there so we know? They've got. Cagliari away next week, then Udinese at home the following, and or after the international break, and then it's the derby. Yeah, so they could pick up twelve points from twelve. So you'll probably see like after I think what they've got Samp, they've got Milan, Lazio, then Samp. Yeah, and then then who's after that? And it's that. And then then Juve. So yeah. basically, by mid October, we'll see how good Inter are. We'll know what they are, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, but but if they keep going like that, honestly, brilliant. Lukaku is a baller. When he is, yeah. Baller. L- Lautaro, baller. Sensi, baller. You know, that's what literally what I wrote in my um, running order is <laughs> Sensi, Sensi is a baller. Ren- <laughs> Renokia, baller. <laughs> Dumbo, right, can- Candreva, Christ almighty, Candreva. Did you see that? Did you see that? What Candreva did? Candreva you, you can't spoke score. about it, though. <laughs> he didn't today he took one and it went in top bag from 35 yards honestly <laughs> top bag, like, top bag, top from... bag. <laughs> nobody says top bag he forgot where he was he thought he was on the wing and it was a cross yeah then he realised he was he Come was standing on. in we, front we of the guy we're not being mean to Candreva do you know what it is it's because he's shaved his beard off that's it he's he went beardless I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, he does. He did. He was doing the post-match interviews in the mix zone. It looks so weird because he's got his hair like slicked back, like properly gelled back, and he's like 
proper like really like closely shaved face but like not a bit of stubble on it you're like what has happened to you antonio and his, does that mean we're gonna see a clean shaven pod next week and you two nah, absolutely not. Uh, so it's, it's gonna yeah, be amazing after that i'll so go on twitter and everybody will be like oh dov you know what you're talking about now <laughs> we can't actually do it now dov though because we've been in the sun for the summer it might not look like it but if i shave my beard <laughs> off i'd have a like two-colored face um, you'd, be, you'd be even whiter yeah believe it or not my bottom half would be like this t-shirt um, which won't mean anything to the people not watching the video but anyway um, let's move on from that Roma Genoa was three each interesting was uh, it? I don't know I don't, I'm not, I, I don't know if it's interesting I didn't see it but I'm going to tell you what Kwame and Piamonte mm. yeah, well, partnership of the season Piamonte is someone we want to speak about he, he gives them a bit of hope doesn't he yeah, yeah. Well, I thought he looked really good at, at Frosinone last year, and as Dov Dov mentions, you know, when he gets alongside Kwame, they look like they could be a really. They could lose. They could. They could get back the goals that they lost when they they lost Piontek. Oh, I think that's what. Well, they would. They just look so so blunt up top once he left. Mm. Um, although Kwame did perform in fits and starts last year, but I, you know, it would look really positive against Roma at the weekend. And I think if they. I think the um, the Genoa fans can just rest a little easier knowing that they've not got that real lack of goal scoring threat, which they sort of struggle with a little bit. Yeah, well, go. Well, so like last year we talked, we spoke about Kwame quite a lot, and everybody went on about Piontek, but Kwame again, he he, I think he's going to basically do the same with Piamonte this season. Lovely wee partnership that is. Yeah. You'd expect even more from them this year because we I was in Genoa basically every week at the start of last season um, when I was still living in Milan. And he was the guy that impressed me the most. And then when I stopped going, you started going. And you were saying, forget exactly the, squad, same. Like, the, the same conversation was being had. And he's got another year in Serie A under his belt now. So you would expect an even more impressive season from him. Well, well so, like, the strike force is really young as well. I mean, they've got like Sanabria as well, who's only 23. And Pinamonti's 20. Grammy's 21. Mm. Um, obviously, Pandev is a hundred, but I mean, he, he's not—he's not going to play every like every game, and he'll get substitute appearances. But he's still a quality player, especially for Genoa to have. Um, so, and I—I I, I was thinking again today. I was thinking like, because Sampdoria were really bad. I think Genoa will finish above them as well, which will be something that's not happened for a wee while. Yeah, it's lucky Beto's gone. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was waiting until he went to said that. But, <laughs> Even there, obviously, they've got Radu and Goals is 22, and they've got Romero, who obviously joined Juve, but has been loaned back. He's only 21 as well. Barreca's 24. Um, Barreca's a good signing as well, you know. Yeah, Guglione is, what, 22? I was looking at the ages. Like, they've got a, like, the, a really kind of young team with the odd kind of experienced player, like Shona, who's 33, um, Zapata, who's, what, 32, Crescito's 32. So they've got, like, a few experienced players have kind of played at top level teams and then a whole host of kind of really talented young players so there yeah. you go uh, elsewhere Torino beats Asolo 2-1 Simone Zaza in all competitions has already scored more goals this season than he did last which is a beautiful little statistic uh, Cagliari made one of them oh, don't be mean to him come on we're being I'm trying to end this Kev come on oh. Cagliari lost to Brescia who won on their Serie A return. Donnarumma got the goal. Not that one. And Verona and Bologna drew one each at the Bentegoldi. Sinisi Mihailovic. He was on the bench. He, he, he was diagnosed with leukemia, what, just over a month ago? He made a promise that he'd be on the bench for the first game of the season. And he was there. 
Huge credit to him, though. He's a, he's a warrior, isn't he? He is. If the wrong player, you think, yeah, he's going to smash it. Montella's going to smash it. Uh, Montella, sorry, Mihailovic is going to smash it. Montella's not going to smash anything. Mihailovic is going to smash it. <laughs> yeah, Mihailovic will smash anything. Montella will smash very little. Uh, Kev, do you want to send some, some thoughts? Some ease as well? Yeah, yeah, I would because I think it was it, it was really, it was really a shame for Bologna when it came out as well because he'd done so well there. He kind of he, he's he's a bit marmite with people when he takes over a club, but he, he transformed the team and he gets this awful diagnosis. And it was it was a little heart wrenching to sort of see some of the images of him. It's it's clearly taken its toll, mm. but exactly as Dov says, he's a warrior and that he's standing there on the touchline has got to do nothing but be a positive um, effect on his team. Yeah, Whereas Maurizio Sarri has got pneumonia and he's like, he needs to stay in bed and rest up. I thought it was... Maurizio Sarri was basically coaching from the phone, though, which I quite liked. He <laughs> didn't want to miss anything. His assistant was saying he was, oh, he was really angry. He wanted to be kept in touch with everything and he was really angry with the performance, but we won't go into that. Um, Go, he, wasn't just, he wasn't just keeping catching up on his smoking that he wasn't allowed to do at Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just eating tobacco now. That's all he's doing. Um, okay. That's why he's sick. But anyway, Kev, thank you. My pleasure. Our is going to be cut. <laughs> I'll speak to you the week after the international break because you're going to Argentina next week. I'm off to Argentina. What are you doing there, Kev? I'm you're going, going you're to see Daniele well. De Rossi. I'm going to hopefully see Daniele De Rossi in the Super Classico, providing I either sneak in, get press accreditation, or uh, pay an extortionate amount for a ticket. So we will see. FIF at the foreign big games. Oh, Christ. It will be unfollowed en masse if we start doing that one. <laughs> I will then have to the life out of it. Um, absolutely. Uh, Dov, thank you for joining Wait, wait Hold on. You forgot one. You forgot, you forgot to talk about the weekend's Biggest game. Which is? The weekend's biggest game. Uh, Kievo. Oh, there we go. Forgot they existed. What did they oh, do? They got beat 2-1 off three. <laughs> Why have you brought that up? Why have you done that? It's just so people know we've not forgotten about them. Majorini scored. Majorini scored. Notes, there was nothing there. <laughs> I'd forgotten they got relegated. <laughs> Um, terrible, honestly, terrible. Although what, uh, what Pordenone won their first game, they're top of Serie B. I'd like to see so, Pordenone in Serie A. That would be great. They beat Frosinone as well. It's a big win. Yeah, three nine as well. Mm, that so, would be funny. I would, I would, I would only be good just because their social media is amazing. Because obviously everybody will remember when they played Inter in the Coppa Italia, and their social media guy was just getting props from everybody, and he did, they've kept at it even now. He's brilliant. There you go. Right, I'm done now. Thanks, Dov. Bye. Bye. Uh, Yeah, you know what to do, guys, by now. But for any of you new listeners listening this season, hello and welcome, by the way. But head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com during the week and on the weekends for all of your Serie A coverage. We've got news, we've got opinion pieces, we've got podcasts. We've got historical videos coming up now as well, Dov. What's Mm. this about? I don't know, ask Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just head up. So it's on Twitter. He, he did a wee video explaining it. Um, can I plug the podcast I did with uh, Adam Ogo and Nima? You um, can do that. Or I, there, there are podcasts, which um, if you're obviously listening to this, they'll be in the podcast feed just below, um, where I spoke to Adam Digby, UV expert about Random. UV. 
Yeah, um, just about Juve. So it's really interesting to get his take on what's going on at the club. I spoke to uh, a former member of the parish, Ogosilla, who's an AC Milan expert, and he was talking about how rubbish Milan are. <laughs> now they're still going to be crap. And so, so it happened. And then obviously Nima from SempreInter.com as well, and obviously spoke about Inter and uh, his theories and all the things like that about Icardi and Wanda and all the stuff but yeah there you go go and listen to them because they're really interesting and not too long as well so you can listen to them while doing something short yeah well you've got this as the long podcast for the week we've gone on a little bit well we're, but, it's the first one back come on yeah I know they, they like it they love it really they've got four people they've got four people what more could they ask for um I don't know what else I was saying. Yeah, read the website. We've got a lot of stuff up there from this weekend. We, we did well. We smashed it um, from the stadiums. And we've also got Instagram at Fort Italian Football, Facebook at Fort Italian Football, Twitter at Serie A FFC. Um, so do your things over on your social media platform of preference. That's it, basically. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. I love you all. Goodbye. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. Ciao, ciao. È finito! Campione d'Italia! Campione d'Italia! Campione d'Italia! Siamo noi! Campione d'Italia! Campione d'Italia! Inter, campione d'Italia! Lo sai per un gol Io darei la vita La mia vita In fondo lo so Sarà una partita Infinita Un sogno che ho è un coro che sale a sognare su giuda la no 90 minuti per segnare nero azzurri noi saremo qui nero azzurri come tener azzurri non fateci soffrire ma va bene vinceremo insieme Amala panza intera Amala è una gioia
truccate non ce n'è più adesso il cielo è nero blu e non me la ricordo ti fare l'inter vuol dire onore a me i cucini li odio con tutto il cuore la 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 caporista sola la 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 caporista sola la 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 caporista sola y luego caer ese se me va la capolista 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 se ne va, se ne va. La capolista se ne va. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 